Hey everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Don't Outkick Your Coverage and our company, thekickerzone.com. Today I have a great guest I'm interviewing, Mr. Jamie Cole, and why I think he's another excellent speaker for our platform, for the student athletes and their parents. At Don't Outkick Your Coverage, we're the only podcast dedicated to the high school athlete and their parents who may not have a full understanding of the issues facing them today and soon as they try that elusive college athletic scholarship, which Jamie knows is shrinking more each national signing day due to the NCAA's sixth year of eligibility, the transfer portal, and that I believe has decreased from the old adage of the only 2% get college athletic scholarships to now my own data calculations is down to about 1.3% in just the last four years alone. And Jamie can certainly talk about this with his own son. And yes, I do cover many of these issues in my number one best-selling book, College Athletic Scholarships, The Path to Recruiting Success in the New Age of NIL, The Transfer Portal, and Post-COVID Scholarships, which can be found on Amazon and over 20 other outlets. I hope everyone listening will purchase a copy, which will help us continue to grow our brand. You know, today I don't have any sponsors for this show, but I would like to encourage everyone to be a monthly sponsor for one of the three charities I give to monthly, or pick one for yourself to give back. Mine are Cure Childhood Cancer, Shriners Hospital, and St. Jude's Children's Hospital. They are all very special to me, and I would love it if you would help these great charities with a monthly donation, if you can. I also know that Jamie has some great charities he has done each year, and one specific to the high school specialist Jamie and his staff works with, and hopefully Jamie can talk about this as well. And with that, I would like to take this time to have Jamie come on the podcast. So buckle up, as they say, for an awesome interview with Jamie. Jamie, good morning. How are you today on this awesome spring day? And thanks once again for joining us on our podcast here at Don't Out Kick Your Coverage. Oh, I think we lost you. I think we lost Jamie. Oh, we're back on, Jamie. There. There we go. We're good. We're good. Oh, awesome. Hey, so welcome again once again, Jamie, to our to our podcast series. Hey, listen, you know, I I I appreciate you taking your time. You're extremely busy, and I know you're uh, you're driving, but I do have some great questions for you that I'll keep brief as much as we can as we go down this journey. So, you know, Jamie. When and why did Cole's kicking and punting and long stapping started? I know your dad was involved in it, as well as your brother, heavy, heavy early on. But give us a little background on why you started the organization. Well, Mark, you know, honestly, the biggest reason we started it was because my playing career was done. Uh, I had a cup of coffee with the Seattle Seahawks, played some preseason <laughs> games, uh, my brother Andy. Um, was uh, also finishing up. He was a punter at New Mexico State, and then he got some preseason games with the Steelers. And we became uh, teachers. And the, the just the job itself of being a teacher is a nine-month-a-year job. And we wanted to have something to do in the summer. And it really was something that we had been well-coached on. We had had a lot of background knowledge with. We enjoyed, and quite frankly, we really enjoyed coaching, you know, people to reach their dreams and to have success in something that at the time um, was very undercoached. This was in the year 2000, and that was, you know, pre-internet era and pre-video era. And honestly, you could see tremendous gains on one camp. Uh, after eight hours of training and the the amount of progress was remarkable and it was fun to see. Good, good. So, you know, I, and, you know, you and I share the same kind of passion with, you know, the, uh, the young men and women nowadays that are taking on the, the long snapping and, uh, and punting and kicking. You know, I, I, I tried that many years ago. You know, my, my focus has always been, I mean, this is my 48th year of doing this, you know, mostly all part-time roles. But, you know, my focus is a little different than yours because you really do the evaluations 
you know, in a longer span from a child going from, let's say, freshman year to a senior year, wanting to see the growth uh, they do both physically and mentally as they're going through their camp series. So, you know, mine's really been one-on-one, -on -one, but I've been, I've been delighted to be able to share with, uh, I guess, a couple hundred or so maybe of guys I've, uh, I've brought to your camps over the year, including our son, uh, you yep. know, who you, uh, you, uh, you and Coach Raggy were, uh, were very helpful in helping him out with his selection in school. So, you know, we talked about a little bit of a, your, your background of, of why you got into it, you know, and the importance of trying to make this really a business. And me, where, you know, I'm focusing on, I was a technology guy. I was the CEO of a, of a company that I had for many years. So mine was always part-time. Yours is really a full-time role. You know, to your yeah. point, you started out with nine months and you said, gee, I really think this can make a business for us. And why do you think that was the most important decision or the aha moment when you said, yeah, I really want to make this a business. Was there something that happened in that transition? Well, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And my agent at the time was Ray Pelfrey. Oh, yeah. Who sure. was probably the industry leader in the 1980s and 1990s. And he, uh, I liked Ray. Ray was about 80 years old at the time and he was getting out of the market. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I'd helped him with some camps. And I, I just really naturally got a lot of energy from starting off helping kids because the recruiting aspect really didn't have any type of bearing with us for about the first seven to eight years. Yeah. We were uh, training based. And then the market demanded for us to continue to compete that we had to get into the recruiting part of it. And that's where our connections with ESPN and a lot of my college coaching contacts back when I played at Iowa State. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't very good, but we had a lot of coaches who went on to a lot of different roles all across the country. And immediately I had a network established that it was only a phone call away and I could, you know, connect dots for people. And as our camps continued to, to get more prominent, you know, there were a lot of sleepless weekends, traveling to different coaching clinics, networking, growing. And quite frankly, I had a very supportive wife. Financially, we lost money the first four years. My dad really helped uh, subsidize it so that, you know, and, and they were not wealthy people. He, he worked for a grocery store. My mom was a nurse but they knew that I had a passion for it. And that was, uh, that was a real key uh, way for us to begin because honestly, after year four, we almost stopped doing it because it wasn't working. It wasn't uh, financially making money. And uh, both my mom and my wife suggested that uh, we move on and do something that would be more worth the amount of hours that we put into the camps because they were so unprofitable the first four years. Then about year five, we started actually, uh, what you could say, run ran a business that actually made a little bit of money. And then by about year seven or eight, we started really seeing some of the gains and the dividends of the relationships we established in the first seven to eight years. And it was a different era. A lot of it was word of mouth. And you really had to do an outstanding job in order to be recognized because word of mouth where you're not seeing, you know, like nothing against social media, but social media does not promote truth in my mind because nobody really speaks how they feel publicly because of obvious ramifications of that. Sure. So in our era, it was more word of mouth where one dad or one kicker, punter, snapper would talk to another parent and, uh, you know, they give them their honest assessment. So we had to be outstanding in order to get a lot of that word of mouth traffic in the early years. Okay. Uh, so, and here's to, to that, to that point, what is your favorite part of your job? I know it's always great to see kids get the, uh, get the scholarship. What's your favorite part. Yeah. And then what's the least part, favorite part of your job? Uh, the favorite part for me is, you know, we came up with a mission statement 
in our first year to help every motivated athlete reach their potential. The numbers, as you indicated earlier, are not possible for everybody to go Division One to get a kick in the NFL. That is just so uh, so so hard, just because of the supply and demand. So really, for us, um, it's to help people find something that they can do, that they can invest in, that they can. I don't want to say become obsessed with, but almost distract from a lot of the pitfalls that a lot of high school and college players um, are exposed to. And if they love this craft and they see, you know, benefits from it, um, they have to have success to a certain degree. Otherwise, the motivation starts to go down. But if we can motivate a player and show them where they're at, this is what it looks like to get to that next step up. I think you can do it, and this is a path forward towards doing it. To me, everybody has dreams, but you know you have to you have to turn that dream into reality. And in order for that to happen, your goals really need to become a priority. So, really, for us, probably the coolest part of our job is to have kids see a dream and make it a priority in their life to set up a a, a schedule that will promote positive, you know, results, not only in football, but my thought is, is if you can do it at a young age and have the discipline required to, to eat right, to sleep right, to work out, to, uh, to really do things in a competitive setting and to perform, wow, that's going to help you the rest of your life. And I, and I firmly do believe that. And if you look at our average camper and what they do compared to average society, I think that we're lucky because we work with top flight people who may not become the best kickers, punters, and snappers, but a lot of them go on to have success and uh, become really uh, helpful members of society in their later years. Yeah, well, well thank you. And, and what's the least part favor of your job, if, if you were to <laughs> – yeah. I know it's a loaded question, but – Well, I mean, obviously the least favorite part is trying to – deal with um, uh, a lot of the the, the, the industry that um, is not as truthful with the real realities of what you expressed with the numbers of scholarships yeah. right and um, you know dealing with parents that um, are not real um, they're, 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 just, they're just not looking at their kid with the most truthful lens possible and you know and that's the hard part is with our camps a lot of times that senior year in high school everything's on the table and it you know the dream is either going to be extended or it's going to be crushed and that's hard and that's hard at the nfl level as well when you see guys who've had great college careers and in reality they're not one of the 32 best in the world and they never will be right and you know that's that's not easy. I guess I have a unique perspective because I had my dreams crushed of not being good enough to play yeah. in the NFL. Right. And I also feel that I provide a service by telling people that after a certain point, you got to move on with your life because uh, otherwise you're putting your family on hold. You're putting uh, your career occupation at hold because you can't put in 80 hour weeks when you're in your thirties or 40s you have to do that when you're in your 20s and if you're working at the home depot and thinking you're going to go kick in the nfl and you're putting your career on hold you're missing out on some valuable years which you can move up in your own you know major and career that you know you went to college for and to me that's a real important thing that i try to help a lot of our top end guys navigate and there's a time where they need to keep kicking and punting and snapping because they are in that mix and they don't want to have regrets. But there's also a time where the phone hasn't rang in two years and you probably need to give up on that and move on to your real, real career down the road. No, you're, you're right. You know, and I, I remember when I got cut in Philly, you know, I had, and I, my, <laughs> the only thing different than me was, uh, you know, I was, I had to go back in the military. I had to go back and become an army ranger again. So, you know, I went from, whoa, you know, 
getting getting cut from my lifelong dream of uh, being a punter since I've been nine and a kicker, you know, all the way through it. Uh, but that was a reality, right? And so, you, I think the hardest part you mentioned, Jamie, is about dealing with the parents. I mean, you know, you and I both had our own journeys, and so did our our sons. I mean, so you know, your son JJ right now is going through his journey, you know, as a quarterback. Uh, you know, ours went through it as a kicker and a punter, and we all had the realities. I think one thing I know that Coach Radke, uh liked about Mark Christopher, our son was that our son said, you know, my my plan B is the NFL. You know, my yeah. plan A is to be is to be a chemistry guy. So uh, I I thought that was a unique perspective. So you know, one of the questions I have, Jamie, moving forward, is what is the one idea that experts in our field say? that you disagree with within the, you know, the recruitings or even the, the rankings issues. And especially after they have just gone through this with, you know, your son, JJ and, you know, and others um, as a quarterback. Yeah. You know, the first thing is there is no perfect way to rank. And right now we're living in this world. I've been coaching in the NFL the last four years with the bears and Carolina Panthers. And what did, happens a lot of times is men sit around or not all as men but coaches sit around the round table with 40 other people and they have to validate uh their existence or, or cover your ass a little bit and yeah. an easy way to do that is through analytics and analytical data and analytics are helpful in many regards i've seen our industry go to baseball and go to you know, other positions in football, and a lot of it's going to be analytic-driven. But if you've played the game level and you've coached it at high level, you understand analytics gives you, uh, you know, some uh, beginning point. At the end of the day, your eyes and what you see and what you know will hold up in adverse conditions and the mental aspect of the week-to-week balance of being a great kicker punch snapper far away than how fast a ball can travel off someone's foot because a lot of the best guys on the analytic testing that I'm starting to see that we helped develop five six years ago um, they they aren't even NFL kickers because when they get their opportunities they can't they can't call on their craft or they're swinging out of their shoes just to hit a ball as hard as they can and they have no real idea where it's going. It's like the picture in baseball. He can throw hundred miles an hour when he throws it his hardest, but he's more effective at 97, 96 because he's in control of his movements. So I guess what I'm saying is in this industry, I'm starting to sense everybody now is going to want to have this analytical data that says, wow, I can kick a ball as hard as an NFL kicker. And my whole premise on that would be, there's a lot more to it than going under a radar gun and starting to get rotations, apex, height, you know, all these different things that are almost window dressing or the shiny object to distract from, do you make kicks for your team in the fourth quarter from 37 yards on the left hash into the wind? Correct. And analytics aren't, analytics aren't going to tell you that to me, performance over time, going to competitions, having good competition performances, having bad competition performances, being able to ride out this journey. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And that is something, again, you have to be athletic enough. You have to be talented enough to be in the marathon. But at the end of the day, it is a marathon. And I don't think people truly grasp that. And uh, I think that that is going to be more and more prevalent in the upcoming years of, well, you know, and we've seen it in baseball, we've seen it in golf, and, you know, it's just another metric that's going to be used. It can be used effectively, but it's it should not dictate decisions, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a, that, that's a great point, Jamie, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, we all talk about is that the analytics are analytics, but you've seen, you've seen thousands of kickers and punters and long snappers over the year, probably thousands, okay? I know I've seen... Yep at least a couple of thousand in my, in my, in my life. Right. Those are the analytics that I go with because, you know, a Jamie Cole looking at five guys lined up hitting 45 yards, you can tell usually within the first five or six minutes, the flight of the ball, the pop of the ball, the thud of the ball, 
the follow through of the ball. Those are things that you see. You don't need analytics for that. You know, my Correct. brain is, is my brain of doing this all these years is probably the best analytics tool, I would imagine, right? No, it is. And that's the thing you realize with the NFL. There's 32 different companies, basically. And, you know, when we're going through the draft process, which we are this year, and even for my son, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, and a lot of it is, too, the eyes that are looking, what are they looking for? Because 32 teams don't see everything the same. And right. there is no one exact way that's right. There is no one exact way that's wrong. It is like you spoke of people's experiences, who has been successful that they've watched, what were the characteristics attributes that they had. And then you kind of develop a taste for what you've seen work if you're smart. And if you're chasing the next greatest latest, I think those people can be manipulated into making some bad decisions at times. No, you're, you're exactly right. And you know what? So, you know, and that, that's, that's where the next question comes in. So, you know, there are other kicking and punting and long stopping companies that we all know of, you know, there's regional ones, there's local Joe Schmo who kicked the, he was a, he was a toe puncher in high school and now he's a kicking and punting quote unquote expert at the high school, um, you know, or, or wherever he's at right now. And so do you agree to, and this is a difficult question, not just for you, but I think for any coach who's, who's in a sports related environment like us, do you agree that a kid should have a different set of, of school skills camps to go to, like, you know, Cole's kicking and then go to yep. a, a Chris Saylor or a corn blue yep. or somebody else. How, how, what, are you, what are your thoughts well, on that? To keep it general, there's some really good people in our industry. And then there's some people that I don't particularly uh, like based on different experiences over 23 years. Right. right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not the guy that invented the wheel. I do think that we do as good of a job as we can in trying to be accurate, but there are advantages, you know, to getting a different set of eyes. I think you can go too far with it. So for example, my son, I trusted two camps. I trusted the Under Armour camp and I trusted the Elite 11 camp. And I got hit up, as you can imagine, in the quarterback world by- Oh yeah hundreds of different trainers, camps, all wanting to, once JJ had established himself as a division one scholarship quarterback, they all wanted to work with him, train him so that they could build their profile. And at the end of the day, one of the things I have to be careful of with my son, and I think every parent does, when it comes to especially the training aspect of what we do is not hearing 15 different voices talk about how their way is the proper way. I think you've got to establish some trust. You have to establish a relationship of who is someone that my son would respond to and respect. And then who is someone that has really uh, done their due diligence and had experience and is going to provide the best coaching towards the development of, of, of my my athlete because right. that, that and that's that's not easy to say you know for a blanket case like you know go to five guys go to one guy go to two guys I can't tell you that right but I'm telling you what I did because I wanted to uh, wanted to keep the circle tight I didn't think that any one place was the you know uh, the only way now we have certain players that are Cole's only people and they've gone on to the NFL and I respect the heck out of their loyalty. They sure. were also supremely talented people. Sure. They didn't need to go everywhere. Sure. But if you're a, if you're a middle ground person, you probably need more than one. If you're really, really good, you know, this year, Aaron Burrell, for example, he's our number one 24 kicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got offers from LSU, TCU, a bunch of already great offers. I mean, he doesn't need to go to other places. And, you know, everybody knows who he is. They, they trust our, our standards. And for him, that works. But if you're a tweener, I, I do see some advantages to some of that. Uh, I just think you got to be careful not to extend yourself so thin 
overexposure is bad at times as well, especially if you're ranked high with us and then you go and you go to another guy and then he doesn't rank you as well. Or when he's on the phone, he'll favor his local kids over you when talking to college coaches. If they've never seen you, they can't really speak about you. So you almost protect yourself a little bit on that end. So kind of where you're at in the spectrum would dictate to me how many people I'd go see. Okay, good. So, and that brings us to the next question. If, if you had the attention of the whole high school recruiting uh, world for five minutes, not even five minutes, yeah. 30 seconds, and what would you say to them? I mean, I know we've gotten into this a little bit, but what would you say yeah, to them if I, you had five what minutes? I would say, yeah, what I would say is in the changing environment of what we are in in 2023 in the portal, finding a place that you can play early in your career should supersede almost anything else. Um, portal now it's tough for high school kids as you brought up but the number of college football programs hasn't changed correct there's always going to be a spot on the bus for a kicker a punter a snapper now the route towards that spot on the bus when i say spot on the bus i mean the travel bus heading to the stadium right there's there's always somebody needed to do those roles Mm -hmm. so the numbers aren't changing it's just a matter of how you get to that spot on the bus and sometimes taking a path, if you're not getting Division One, Power Five scholarships out of high school, I'm seeing people who are less talented but have a college resume established because, again, like I talked about, as we get more analytical, people have to sit around a round table and defend their decisions. Well, it's much easier to defend a decision. I'm taking a veteran kicker, a veteran snapper, a veteran punter, rather than the 18 or 17 year old that's on campus and trying to figure out where to go to class. Correct. Because at that, at some point, maturity does factor into performance. It's not all athletic talent. There is a maturation process. Some people are more mature than others. I understand that. But as long as the rules stay the way they are, which really jump started with the COVID years and the portal and all that, got thrust onto us all at once, there is more benefits towards finding a program that really wants you, i.e. a smaller program, putting up great stats for a year or two, then looking at the portal, you'll be more marketable. There's always going to be those exceptions and those really, really talented high school kids who are going to get scholarships. I don't see that changing. But the that next pack of Division One prospects who might not get the offers right out of high school, their path may be different than 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you, and, and that's a great point, Jamie, because, you know, one of the things I talked about in my book, you know, I interviewed about 60 different college coaches all across you know, baseball, basketball, football, uh, wrestling. And I said to them, you know, here's the question. And they, it was on an anonymous question. I said, if you had your choice between, uh, a 21 or 22 year old kid that's already played a couple seasons in your sport. You know, they've gotten the class, they've got college grades, they're, they're making their life adjustments for, away from mom and dad, as opposed to little Johnny or Janie, who all of a sudden gets on a, you know, gets on a, a, a flight and says goodbye to mom and dad, we're gonna see you in four or five months. I say, which one would you pick? And I said, yeah. I, I'm only asking that question from a standpoint of the depth chart. And, Jamie, yeah. 58 of them said, I'll take the college guy any day. And yeah. so that, to your point, says maybe, you know, let's let these kids go to start out at D3. You know, start building those relationships, you know, with the D3 and D2 and D1. Because if you remember back in the 70s, you know, that's what a lot of people did when they were going to scholarships. We had, we had the soccer players that came over from Jamaica and Ireland and every place else. And they were taking the scholarships away from the, the U.S.-based kids. And a lot of kids and a couple of friends of mine went that JUCO route, you know, just for that reason where the college coach said, hey, look, you know what? I don't have any scholarship money now, but next year, just hang with us and we'll, we'll put you in the program next year. So is that something you think would you recommend for the kids that you see? Yeah, I do. I'm nothing against junior colleges, but they've lost uh, a little bit of their – impact as well because now with the portal college coaches can take the four-year college kids from anywhere right and um you know the, just the stigma of the junior college player 
Well, maybe I lost you for a second. Hopefully you'll come back on. With that, we'll have a little break in the action with Jamie Coles from Coles Kicking. He's traveling and he might have we might have lost him for a second. Maybe he'll jump back on when we get a chance. I'll just keep on talking and saying to you that, you know, Jamie's uh, uh, career and his, uh, his, hopefully his sons. There we go. We're back on again with Jamie. Uh, looks like we just got took you. a break in the action. Got you. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Keep going. So, yeah. Uh, so are there any quotes that you think about often? Like when you're sitting in your office or you have a quote that you talk to Coach Radke and, and Brent and the rest of the coaches that you live by? Or, or even one that inspires, you know, you and you do with your son. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm huge into quotes. I, I do think that one that that I share with people on this journey that might be more related to them that they could use is, to me, in this journey of recruiting, if you're good enough, long enough, they will find you. And to me, that quote means you might not be a D1 guy as a sophomore in high school. You might not be part of that prospect group. You might not be as a junior. You might not be even as a senior, as we're discussing. But if you have the belief of work ethic and the natural talent, even if you're not getting attention right now, there is a play that if you're, you're good enough, long enough, there's going to be those spots on the bus that I keep bringing up. Right. And they will, they will find you because eventually it comes down to humans making decisions and who can best represent themselves and them, their families from a coaching perspective. Your job as an athlete has to be to earn that trust. And a lot of times, a lot of our best prospects give up too early. They don't mm-hmm. get the immediate feedback. They don't get the immediate recruiting attention that, a, you know, their, their quarterbacks or their running backs get, and they feel like somehow they've failed. That's why if you keep working this process, eventually coaches will favor experience. They do favor performance at the end of the day. It's just getting into that. A lot of times playing in the NFL is easier than getting into the NFL. And that's, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand, but if you're good enough, long enough, there will be a spot for you. Your job has to be to get good enough consistently enough, not not one out of five days, not one out of three days. When you have those opportunities, you have to seize that opportunity. And if you don't do it, it's not the end of the world, but you have to understand you have to start doing it more often in order to get to where you want to. So, it's kind of that don't give up attitude as long as you're reading the room, as long as athletically you're able to compete. If you can't compete athletically, meaning there's a severe difference between your performance and ball striking or distance hang time compared to those others that you're competing against. Well, then you have to maybe start looking towards other avenues. Once you get beyond the level that your talent can take you. And and that's, that's, I think, important. Yeah, no, that's very, very well said, Jamie. You know, one of the things that uh, I think, you know, we all agree about is that it's the reality. And, you know, there's the, there's, the, there's the high school coach's reality where little Johnny is kicking a 45-yard field goal. Hey, look, I get, I get calls from parents, you know, that want private lessons with me and where they'll say, oh, my God, my son's in eighth grade. You know, he just kicked a 45-yard field goal the other day. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's great. You know, send me the video. And then, you know, the kid's taking 19 steps of the ball. You know, he's got a composite ball. Yep. It's, it's, it's a middle ball, right? I'm like, hey, those, those things are all awesome. And so what's the, what do you think the reality is when we as – anyway, you saw it with your own son, and certainly you, the reality knowing that if this kid's going to be a D3 player or a D2 or D1, we don't want to shatter their dreams. But how many times do you think there's a, there's a, a lack of reality on the high school coach – that uh, may not know anything about kicking a punt. The majority of them, of course, as you know. The, 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 the majority of them have no idea what it takes or what it looks like because it's very easy for everybody in the local communities to say, oh, you're a D1 player. 
Right. The numbers, the numbers dictate that that's not a reality. And boy, do you need to be special to stand out. And there are some really good high school coaches who understand recruiting very well, and they're spot on with their assessments. I've had some that are maybe too hard on their guys because they've had so many talented players. But if you're in a program that has very few college players, chances are the coach doesn't know what the current high school level of, uh, of athleticism, talent, performance is needed to be that so-called D1 player. And that's Correct. not a knock on them. It's just if my expertise was not in kicking, punting, snapping, I wouldn't know it either. You Correct. Know? Correct. Um, their, their job their job is not to be an expert in that field. Their job is to be a great high school coach. And, you know, that's 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 where they're good at. And Jamie, how many how many times do you think it happens where again, you know, going from experience, both you and I, uh, I had a great high school coach. I know you had a great high school coach and stuff like that. But, you know, the the role, I think some of the parents actually believe that the role of the high school coach is to be their recruiter. You know, I mean, it's yeah, the, no, and that's that, a I have tough a hard part. Time. Yeah, yeah, I have a hard time with that. Now, certain programs in Georgia, you know, they pay coaches good money. In Texas, oh, yeah. they pay good, good money. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's an expectation. I mean, you, you're you're really getting college level coaching. Yep. And uh, I don't want to pick on the state. Let's just say Wyoming. That coach is probably getting a five thousand dollar stipend for eighty hour weeks throughout the whole year. I, I don't know. I have a hard time uh, feeling like that man has to try to help 25 of his seniors uh, interact with every college coach. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, correct. so there, there, there needs to be an emphasis from the families and in particular the athlete themselves. And, and obviously it is helpful if the high school coach can be on board and be a plus one, but I don't think that should be an expectation. I really correct. don't. No, you're you're spot on, Jamie. You know, and that's 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 that leads us to. I have like one or two questions left for you. I know you're busy. Sure. So you know, one of the questions is, you know, where would you tell high school recruits uh, to get into reaching out to college coaches and when? I mean, I'm a big believer. I, I would start say, early. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say you know start reaching out. Uh, you know, the end of your freshman season, you're probably not going to get a lot of play. Uh, you, you know. Don't get too worried about it until junior year is really when the majority of recruiting takes place. But if you can develop relationships, ask to go to a game day visit, ask to go to, um, you know, a junior, junior day. day visit. Sure. Yeah, those are not hard. They're yeah. not hard to do. And you just talk to the recruiting coordinator. You don't need to be a Division One prospect to get to some of those events. That's Correct. where maybe you put down your high school coach as a reference. You know, that, that – they, they're more than open to that. And if you can meet face to face and have good interactions with coaches, the only thing is if you start recruiting too early and you're too immature and you come off bad to a coach, you're actually hurting yourself. So for me, a lot of that again, depends on where is uh, the athlete at with regards to maturity, where are they at with regards to performance? If they indicate some real college prospect, uh, potential early, yeah, after freshman football season's fine. I don't think anybody wants to hear from eighth graders. Uh, <laughs> I really don't. And, right. You know, um, but but you can start it after your freshman season, having some success, not getting too wrapped up or worried about it until really junior season. After your junior season, you need to be getting after it. And the communication aspect has always worked better for people who are more proactive. And that's that's just the way it is. And that's why our camps have value, you know, they use our camps as a way to kind of brag and kind of validate how good they are. And the people that are proactive with that, they, they get more traction. If you sit back and you wait for the coaches to come to you, that might work if you're at a school that has 12 D1 kids in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. These coaches are coming to your school regardless. Right. But if you're in a country, country school or a small school in different states, um, you have to be more proactive. And I've tried to make that clear at our camps to parents. And I think the majority understand that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, and this is a great lead into this next question. I had like one left after this one. Um, 
So we are now in the, you know, the summer camping weekends, you know, it's, oh, go, go. everybody's getting these calls or getting these DMs from the GAs, the graduate assistants with, hey, come, come, come to our camp, Mr. Baller, you're going to be awesome. We're offering it in the year 2024 and you can't wait. Well, the kids in eighth grade, to your point, I'm like, look, you know, I had a camp two weeks ago. I do small sided camps, as you know, and I said to the parents, look, enjoy yourself out here. Have a great time. Nick Saban is not going to be here. No one else in the NFL is going to be scouting your kids. This is an enjoyable instruction camp. Just have fun. So, you know, how many, excuse me, how many camps do you think are best for each year? And I would probably imagine it's based on their skill level, number one, and be be probably what year they're going into, right? Correct. Now, our, our pattern has been, you know, going into sophomore year, maybe hit one or two local college camps, get the experience. Um, and this is for a good player, not, not a national talent, but like a good, mm-hmm. good player. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, junior year, maybe go to, uh, you know, two to four camps. If you want to jump on a plane for one, go do it. And then based on the feedback, based on where you're at senior year, that would be your, that would be your time. Go for broke five to seven camps, communicate with those coaches ahead of time. Is there a real interest? That's where our camps hopefully have some value. We send out schools that are looking lists. Correct. Because we call every every college coach in, in, in that we can get a hold of in the month of April mm-hmm. after spring ball, trying to get a realistic uh, expectation to are they going to scholarship a kicker, a punter, snapper? Is there a PWO offer? Do they like to walk on so much in their program there might not even be any roster spots given? Because that can hopefully dictate – travel for parents and that's again where our rankings come into play if you're a four-star player on our five-star system i wouldn't be spending a day going to a d1 college camp other than if you want to go get instagram photos next to the school mascot that's it go 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 to some d3 and d2 colleges where those coaches might be happy to see you and might take you you know, and, and you, you spent a, a productive, very valuable day landing a roster spot at a level of football that you could participate in. You know, if you're a five-star player with us and you've proven you, you know, are in the mix, well, then go. Go to five to seven college camps and go ball out and be the best one. Because if you're the third best one at that camp, you're probably not getting any offer or, and they're not going to communicate with other coaches They want to keep all that information to themselves so that they can keep the stove warm. And if their number one guy would bail out on them in December, now they could go to two to three. So a lot of it is kind of positioning yourself with this whole college camp process. I do know college coaches like to see players. Yes, it is valuable. And we suggest that you go to some of the college camps that you have an opportunity to maybe win the camp or land a roster spot. Good. And, and last two, but this is more, this is more for you and, and, and Cole's kicking. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with the, the statement about the college camps. One of the things I see is to me, which I think has been a real changer is social media. Uh, you know, some do really good at it. Some do it. Well, I, I say I, when these kids are all of a sudden sending out these, uh, all they're doing is doing a huddle film. And they're just in huddle film, huddle film, huddle film, or they're using a recruiting service. And all they're doing is basically getting a database of coaches, right? And don't you think sometimes that's an overkill as opposed to these kids actually picking up the phone and having a discussion with a college coach? How do you, how do you view that? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, if you could get on a phone, that is tremendous. The hard thing is it goes to supply and demand again. And, you know, a special teams coach, He's not going to talk to 50 kids, kickers. Um, and to get to that point, you have to establish that you're worth that 10-minute, 15-minute conversation on a phone. If you can get on a phone, if you can meet face-to-face, that way supersedes just sending an email with the huddle film. But to get on that phone call is, is not as easy as uh, sometimes it's, it could be. 
that makes sense. Oh yeah, it does. And I think you probably you may not have to go the rate with, with JJ. I mean, JJ was pretty was pretty much in the system to your point all the, uh, already. Yeah. So he was probably not having that problem. Where a, a three star kid, you know, that you're working yes. with or a four star, he or she is going to have to work with that issue a lot more than say your son is going to have to do. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. So the right. last last two, Jamie, actually about you. I mean, so, you know, what can people expect from you and, uh, and Cole's kicking uh, moving forward in the next, you know, year or so? What do you see in the future for you guys? Well, yeah, I mean, we hope to continue to work with, um, you know, the top college players that will be preparing for the NFL draft. Uh, I hope to be back coaching again in the NFL for this year. We were very proud of what we did last year. Uh, my kicker, Eddie Panero, led the NFL in field goal yeah. percentage at 94.3%. Yeah, it was awesome. He was third in number of makes. And then our punter, Johnny Hecker, was third in net punt. So, you know, that, that gives me juice. Um, you know, and obviously, again, success, a lot of different reasons. And I'm not naive to that. And we're just very fortunate to have a really successful year. So, obviously, we want to try to have another successful year that way. And then really from our camp's perspective, you know, to help as many players at the high school level develop um, from a training perspective and then really, you know, the, the recruiting aspect, try to help them land those opportunities. My heart has gone out to them. The COVID years have killed them. Yeah. The portal has not been easy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the expectations are as high as ever with performance. So I do think that we're helping guys develop better earlier, but it's also more needed now than ever. So it's, it's kind of an interesting mix, but, uh, but we're definitely focused on continuing to, to lead camps and to try to just prevent or pre pre present a, a platform where the best people rise to the top. And as okay. long as that platform is there, you know, to me, we're, we're doing the best we can. And then the good Lord works and the better people do better. And you know, the, the process goes on. Well, that that's awesome. And I know that, I know that you, you and coach Radke and, and, and coach Culberson and all your private coaches on the side do a, you know, a great, a great job of getting these kids squared away, you know, with their, with their goals. And of course you've got uh, the guys that are helping you out doing the unbound rec uh, recruiting or under, I'm sorry, I forget. I forget his name now, Jake Dombrowski. Yeah, yeah, Jake Dombrowski. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Jake does a great job of get, helping those parents out as well, correct? Yeah. The thing with Jake is he's not going to overpromise. His uh, his service is very educational and informative. It helps them throughout the process, navigate it. And there's a bunch of other companies that charge four times as much. Correct. That. I think they just overpromise, and that's Correct. the part that makes me uncomfortable. Um, yes, you know, and again, like I said at the beginning, if you're good enough, long enough, they'll find you. Your job has to be to figure out how good you can get, and then where does that insert in the spectrum of all the other players, and okay. then and then from there you can you can find good homes. I promise you. The majority of our players, which obviously are more into kicking, punting, snapping than the average high school specialist, but the majority of our players, if they work at it, they can find a college program somewhere. The problem is many of them will not want to see the writing on the wall that they can't all play at Georgia or Alabama. Correct. I have I have a kid that was a quarterback that you know I was working with a couple of years ago who was actually a, a, a kicker and a punter and his dad said to me not not too long ago, hey look, you know what, so and so wants to get to play at the next level. I says great. I said here's a couple HBCU schools you know here in Georgia. Here's a D three school that might go. Here's Georgia Military College might be interested in me. He goes oh no, not not that not those schools. I'm like well look, <laughs> I'm just trying to be realistic with you. Your son is not going to go to Georgia. He may go there, but he's not going to play. And so, to your point, the real, the 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 more reality that we can give to the parents, and the and the kicking specialists, the better off they are. Sometimes they don't want to hear it. We can't do anything about that, right? No, no. And there's there's always people that prove me wrong, and man, they had that late growth spurt. They body. Kevin Hart. 
catch up coordination wise, you know, or maybe there will day in front of me and it wasn't representative of their current level. So no one can be perfect in forecasting it, but I do think the more, like if they work with you, Mark, and they're where you, you've seen them 10 times, right. you know, probably not wrong. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, uh, yeah. So what's the, what's your, what's the one final thought? This is the last question. So I know uh, people can go to Cole's Kicking, right? Uh, Cole'sKicking.com for everything that you're doing. But what's, what's the one final thought you want to leave our listeners with today and why? You know, I just think um, football is an awesome path and provided for me and my family. And I think, um, you know, your faith, your family, good person and treating people well in the long run. I know it doesn't seem like you get ahead, but you'll be prevented from a lot of the pitfalls of life. And I think you're, it's what you're called to do. And if you can uh, prioritize those items in your life, and sometimes you're going to be faced with some decisions that may seem like the easy road or, or something, um, you know, try to try to always go back to that gut, that gut test. Does it feel right? Does this feel like something that's a positive decision or this is a negative decision? I think if you can do that, man, you're going to you're going to be in a better spot uh, on this marathon. Maybe not the sprint, but the marathon. Right. Well, listen, Jamie, thank, thank you so much. I know you're busy again. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And, you know, when I, when I download it and I'll send you a copy of it, uh, feel free to do what, what you want it. And, you know, my podcast series is, again, please, uh, please share with uh, the people you want to internally at Cole's Kicking. And I want to thank you again. I hope your travels are safe today down to Texas. And, uh, you know, listen, again, yep. congratulations on your son. Uh, good luck to you guys on your future, all your successes, and I look forward to seeing you when you come back to Atlanta. All right. Same to you and Mark Jr. You guys take care. Thank you, Jamie. God bless. Take care of yourself. All right. God See you bless. later. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye.